BWI live with you here on Tuesday. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Dave Ecker joining me today as we start to look ahead towards Penn State's next game. They host Ball State for their season opener. James Franklin calling for a sold-out stadium in everyone's first return to the site where Penn State football plays their home games since 2019. Dave, sellout? What do you think? Is it going to happen? I don't know. I... I... I, I hope so. It would be nice to see a, a sellout in, in, in game one. I think Penn State fans can get that done. Um, I want to I thank you for reminding me what day it is because, you know, <laughs> we've reached in season. I just, I just, I have no idea. So it's Tuesday. Now I know uh, I'm getting my information while we record. So I appreciate it. You know what? It, it's after, especially after Labor Day. Everyone woke up at the same time in my house today and everyone was behind because when you do when you don't do something for a day, all of a sudden everything becomes hard again. Uh, And I know we were here working yesterday. Uh, Everyone did a great job on our live show yesterday afternoon. Um, So we've been working hard. But, you know, even even that half day off that some of us took, it can screw with you and, and you forget what day it is. So here we are. On Tuesday, it is also September 7th. Uh, Penn State plays Ball State on Saturday, and I don't know off the top of my head what day of the, what, uh, you know, number day that is, but <laughs> we're going to get into a little bit of looking ahead. But first, I want to know uh, what you've got going up at the site today at Blue White Illustrated, bwi.rivals.com. What are you talking about today on the site? So, yeah, uh, started today with a little bit of like a, a rundown, looked at a, what a bunch of different uh, columnists and just just people with an opinion on Penn State football had to say about the game. Um, so that's up there right now. Uh, we're going to have coverage of James Franklin. James Franklin's talking today. So plenty of stuff from that. And another thing that I'm hoping to get done today is um, we're, we're getting a chance to talk to a couple defensive players later on. And I want to ask them how they're recovering and, and how they're feeling after playing so many snaps. Uh on Saturday because Penn State, I think Wisconsin had the ball for over 40 minutes, if I'm remembering that right. So uh, 40 minutes of Wisconsin football too. Yeah. That's not like a 40 minutes of, uh, of tag football. Exactly. So I'm hoping to have a little bit of something going on, uh, maybe a story uh, to go with that. So we'll see, but yeah, it's going to be all week, all season. We're going to be grinding out the content. So definitely keep an eye out. Yep, and if you are uh, if you're not a subscriber and you're watching us on YouTube or if you're on our podcast network, make sure you subscribe. You'll leave a, a review and a comment, and make sure that you hit the notification button on YouTube so you don't miss any of the BWI Daily Edition or any of the news that comes out as everyone's uh, covering it here for Blue White Illustrated and at Blue White Illustrated BWI.rivals.com backslash subscribe to check out all the stuff we're doing because we're doing a lot of stuff now. Uh, we are going to be hearing from James Franklin today. Also, the uh, coaches poll and the AP poll coming out today with uh, the holiday weekend that has been pushed today. Then next week, it'll be on Sunday. So we don't know quite yet where Penn State ranks in uh, in terms of how much they're going to move up in the in the poll. What would you say? Where are you ballparking the Nittany Lions ending up uh, after that's released today? I think anywhere between 10 and 12 wouldn't really surprise me. That's kind of the range that I'm looking at. I think, don't quote me on this, but I believe I, I counted. I think there were five teams ahead of them that lost. So 
in theory that moves them up to to, to 12 but we all know that that doesn't always work that way um so yeah yeah i mean that's a big win right they they went on the road they beat a yeah. team that was ranked above them uh they answered some questions i i think the 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 voters will have to respect that so yeah i think i think they'll move up quite a bit yeah 12 was kind of where i was thinking as well in terms of you won that game. It wasn't a particularly good game by either team, but you did win early season, a big test. And then I don't know what to do with this one because it happens every year. Miami gets just wiped. They were just Alabama wiped the floor with them in that game, but it's Alabama. So do they plummet down to the rankings? I, I think Penn State will be ranked ahead of Miami. But in that game, if you thought Miami was good before and then they play the best team, perennially in college football and every year this happens to a team and they lose big at a neutral site uh, what are you what are you doing with Miami outside the Penn State conversation what are you doing with Miami and how do you think those two things play together yeah that's interesting uh it's it's I, I really the question is how how much do you weigh the Bama factor yeah and I, I think that's got to be pretty heavy you know so <laughs> I, I I think they'll move down maybe the 20 ish, right? They were 14. Am I remembering that right? I think they were 14. They were 14. Yep. Okay. So yeah, I would expect them to be maybe in the 20, 22 ish range, but yeah, I don't think you can, you know, exclude them from the, from the polls completely based on getting smacked by Alabama, because I think all, but maybe five or six teams in the country would get smacked by Alabama, maybe even less than that, to be honest. So yeah. I I don't think you can punish them too hard for it. It's just kind of what you have to expect. Yeah, and, and of course Clemson, uh, Clemson and Georgia playing a tight game. Uh, I w- I would doubt that either of those two teams slip below Penn State. Uh, you know, with Clemson losing by a touchdown, but in in a low scoring game against I, I believe the number five team in the nation. So that probably won't affect Penn State's ranking. But those are kind of the games that I was looking at is how that might affect Penn State's ranking and how they'll reshuffle the top of that. And, and the reason I want to talk about the ranking so much is that this win early in the season buys that early season cachet and credibility. How much do you think that's going to play for Penn State down the road once they get into the meat of their schedule and they face the Big Ten East? Here's the thing about Penn State. Normally, in in almost any other season, I would say that doesn't matter even a little bit. I think it matters to Penn State this year because I think this is a team that needs needed something to hang on to to know that they're good, to know that yeah. they can believe in themselves, to know that they can go on – go on the road and beat number 12 Wisconsin after finishing four and five last season when just about everything went wrong. So obviously that's not the best game we've ever seen Penn state play, but I think just from a mental standpoint, I think there's immense value to that win. I just, I I think it's huge. So yeah, I think that cachet that you're talking about is really important. Um, Normally I wouldn't, but I'm, I'm making an exception this year just because I think, I think they needed to prove it to themselves. They needed to prove it to me. I, I picked yeah. Wisconsin, you know, hands up. Uh, I, I, I was expecting Wisconsin to win that game. Uh, and I wasn't, I wasn't really willing to, to, yeah. to pick Penn state without seeing it first. So yeah. me too. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, that that's that's where I fell on that as well. Although when I was on with Ryan Snyder on Friday, after we talked to Sean Clifford on Wednesday, I, I said, 
that's the most coherent and focused and lucid I've ever talked to Sean Clifford because he's such a uh, he's such a a guy who communicates in such a unique way uh, when he talks to us normally that I was I was impressed and I thought his focus was really good and and I do think we saw that come to the surface in uh, in the game versus Wisconsin that part of the game you know I I think from my perspective. Sean Clifford played well enough for Penn State to win, but there are always areas to improve. One thing I've heard from all of our followers on the Lions uh, Den message board is you get better from week one to week two. So with that in mind, now that they've got a game under their belt, where do you think Penn State should Im- needs to improve the most and show consistent improvement from week one to week two to make them a team that can compete later in the season? I've got a, I've got a few areas, I guess. The one that's probably the most obvious and the, the place where I'll start is I didn't really feel like Penn State controlled the line of scrimmage on either side of the ball. I think I think it was probably more drastic offensively where they couldn't run the ball between the tackles, period. And Sean Clifford did not have very much time to throw, especially in the first half. Uh, on, on defense, I think you can be a little bit more forgiving just because, as we alluded to previously, they were on the field a ton in this game. Yeah. So if your big guys up front are getting are getting tired, I think that's something you can understand. But yeah, I, I, I need to see both lines really assert themselves against Ball State. And look, Ball State, you have to respect Ball State. Ball State's the defending MAC champion. Uh, that being said, Ball State is a team that Penn State should assert itself physically against. So you yeah. really need to see it from them this week. Yeah, and I think we're kind of in the same place as far as my my answer would be offensive efficiency, where last week they were in that 2019 mold of the big plays were there. Jahan Dotson's running free like he's just, you know, in a field playing flag against, uh, you know, guys that he, he found in a park. Like he was open an astonishing amount of time. Um, but that efficiency to get drives together when all but one of your first half drives are three and outs. That is that is not a recipe for success throughout the season. And with the way Wisconsin gave away points inside of two yards, where they had a false start at the two-yard line and a fumble, th- those were gifts you're not going to get for the rest of the season. So that offensive efficiency, so that your your nose tackle, who's 326 pounds, P.J. Mustford, isn't playing 70 snaps in a game. That's just too many. And, and he's going to have to play a lot of snaps this year. He's a key contributor, and he's a guy that is going to uh, not have a lot of break because there's not a, there's not another PJ Mustfer behind him, but you don't want him logging all those snaps early in the season. The offensive efficiency to to show improvement in your blocking schemes up front and your adjustments before halftime, I think those are those are two important factors. Wisconsin was doing a lot of things to to make that happen in the first half, and Penn State did adjust after halftime. But one of those in game adjustments so that you can you can uh, become more efficient on the offensive side of the ball, because if you can, I think this Penn State defense uh, offense has already shown that they can make those big plays, those big explosive plays like they have in the past. Uh, that win versus Wisconsin, we talked about this a little bit earlier here on the BWI Daily Edition. One final thing I want to go back to is is you were talking about the the internal belief in themselves that they're good. A lot of people were down on Penn State last year, or this to start this year because of last year. I think that Penn State needed as much cachet nationally, publicly, as they did internally. And that win is going to set them up now where I was talking to people and I had people on the show that said, 
Can Ball State upset Penn State? They're the defending MAC champion. I think people have a very different opinion now after beating Wisconsin, and I don't know that anything's really changed. It's just that Penn State won that game. So the national cachet and the the perception cachet, as long as they can get through this game and they, they make it close, whatever the outcome against Auburn is, down the road they'll be thought of very differently Instead of if they had lost that game, then it would have been very much, well, this is Penn State from 2020. We're seeing a repeat of all of those things. The reason I bring that part up is I want to get uh, our, you know, a quick preview of what Ball State is and what they aren't. Um, did you have a chance to see any of the game? And I just want your initial thoughts on, on you know, Penn State brings in these MAC opponents all the time. We've never had that perception of careful, it's Ball State. What do you think is playing into that if it isn't? what happened in 2020? I think it is what happened in 2020 a little bit. And, and, and as much from the ball spit ball state perspective as the Penn state per- perspective, right? I mean, if, if ball state is coming to play Penn state in 2014, you're expecting Penn state to maybe not 2014, uh, 2016. <laughs> <laughs> you got to remember expecting- exactly what's yeah. going on in 2014 too. You're right. I, I was like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh wait, no temple. Ooh, never mind. <laughs> Yeah, uh, switch that up a little bit. You're expecting Penn State to win by a lot. Uh, yeah. So, you know, this is a, a Ball State team that I think returns almost all of its starters on both sides of the ball after winning the MAC championship and beating a, a ranked uh, San Jose State team in whatever bowl that was. I don't remember the name. Uh, but, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a team that you have to respect, but at the same time, I think, while respecting them, you can acknowledge that Penn State has more talent at just about every position on the field, and as yeah. such, should make Ball State feel that talent. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm expecting Penn State to win pretty comfortably, but I'm not. It's not like they're playing Kent State, and you're thinking, okay, is it 45 to nothing at halftime? Yeah. So that's kind of the summation of where I stand, I guess. I, I want to throw Akron in there, too, because I feel like Kent State gets that a lot when we have these conversations about teams you should just beat. Akron, you can do the same thing and uh, don't want to put it all on Kent State. Uh, I was actually able to watch some of Ball State and um, Western. I keep doing this. Western Illinois, I think it was, is who they played. Um, some of the things that I took away from that game is that this offensive line for Ball State is a solid group that is a disciplined, they're good blockers, they, they work well as a unit, but you're right, when it comes to the physical abilities, Penn State should be able to, especially Arnold Ebikiti, should be able to take command of this game because there's nobody on that roster that has the athletic talent that uh, that he does. Now, from that perspective, they need to be able to put Ball State into those third and long situations so you can tee off and you can win with that superior athleticism and, and technique. So being able to control the middle of the line of scrimmage, not giving up first downs, and I think you made a really good point about controlling the line of scrimmage, that will be the biggest test to me in this game is will Penn State be able to do that knowing that they've got an, a good offensive line with a cohesive unit? And, and for Ball State, I thought they were a little bit rusty to start the season. There were some unforced errors, some mistakes, fumbles, things like that. It's kind of a sloppy game overall between the two teams. Some missed throws. But overall, I thought as a team, they played a good football game. But uh, yeah, I I came away thinking the same thing you did as far as the talent in in certain positions is good. But Penn State has two or three guys at that position that should be able to match up. One guy I'm thinking of is receiver Justin Hall. He's a good receiver. 
if you're not paying attention and you're not you're not respecting his physical abilities to get open and, and get you know big yards on big plays, you know Ball State could make enough big plays to stay in this game if there's a bunch of coverage busts and mental errors. But we didn't see that from that Wisconsin game. The the Penn State secondary was absolutely dialed in. And from Joey Porter Jr. to Daquan Hardy to Tariq Castro-Fields, they played a very good game. And if you want to talk about the the quarterback, um, uh, Drew Plitt. I'm pulling up his name here. I apologize. Uh, he, he did a good job. I, th- I thought he was a good football player. Again, not making a lot of uh, big-time throws, not forcing the, the action. But he didn't make a lot of mistakes with the football. So if you're not careful, this Ball State team could make some big plays and put the pressure on Penn State to then respond. Um, Do you think that that is likely, I guess, is is after what you saw and and taking into account, they played 96 snaps. Do you think fatigue is going to be a part of this game on Saturday? I think it's really important for Penn State to establish a, a lead early. I kind of wrote that a little bit just to get some of those guys off their feet if they can. But uh, as far as big plays, I'm not I'm not too concerned about it just because I really believe in this Penn State secondary. I think they they showed you why against Wisconsin outside of that um, that final drive there where it was obvious Penn State was trying to keep everything in front of them and, and perhaps a little bit too much. I think they were dominant against against you know some pretty talented wisconsin wide receivers um so yeah you have to watch out for justin hall uh but but just generally i I don't expect to see ball state breaking off a ton of big plays just because look these are veterans right yeah Yeah, these are not cornerbacks who are talented and will be getting their their first taste Tariq castro fields has done this before joey porter (laughs) jr has, has has done this before yeah uh jaquan brisker has done this before Jair Brown, maybe not, but still, it's 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 a very good secondary. I believe in the secondary. I think they should be able to handle Ball State, especially knowing who the weapons are. So I'm not too concerned about the big play threat. Yeah, and then defensively, on, on the defensive side of the ball for Ball State, I, I don't know that you can take a ton from what they did in Week 1 because they dropped eight defenders on most plays. They were dropping eight, and if you do that against Penn State... Uh, offense coordinator Mike Yersich is just going to call a draw. Uh, you know, if you're playing with three down linemen that aren't, you know, uh, Wisconsin level to down linemen, you're going to have a hard time stopping the run with just those three guys. There are some good run defenders, again, smart, physical guys, but um, I, 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 did, I wasn't blown away by the, the, the ability of any of the guys to really change the, the metrics in favor of Ball State. The one guy that I did think, and I want to point out for Penn State fans, is Nick Jones, their top corner. He's a good football player. He's a very good corner. There are some Appalachian State vibes about Ball State in that they have good enough talent that they can threaten you as an offense, and they do have a couple of good players on defense that can cover, but I don't know that they're as deep even as that as, as that Appalachian State team that had a couple of guys that I thought had chances in the NFL at corner especially and then uh, at linebacker, so being able to control some things from that perspective. Uh, what's your read on what Penn State should be able to do offensively given that they're tight ends, which I thought were going to be a, a big part of the game on Saturday really didn't show up. Do you think we'll see a more complete game offensively from the Nittany Lions with the ability to get the ball to not just the big two on offense at receiver? 
It's an interesting question because when we were talking via text before this and, and you asked, you, you mentioned you wanted to talk about what Penn State has to get better at, what was kind of disappointing. I, I thought the tight ends were yeah. another thing that I really wanted to bring up. I, I, you know, James Franklin said, look, this group is one of the best in the country and they did not look like one of the best in the country against Wisconsin. So I do think that Penn State will try to get them involved. Uh, look, look, I mean, there is nobody on that uh, that Ball State defense that should be able to athletically match up with Bretton Strange and especially Theo Johnson. Yeah. So I, I, I think that this is a matchup where the tight ends can really come into play. But I also think Penn State is going to want to show that, hey, we can run the ball between the tackles a little bit because they did yeah. not show that in the first in the first half against Wisconsin or, or really ever. Um, they just kind of went away from it in the second half. Yeah. Uh, so. I think that's something they're going to want to establish, maybe put out some tape for their opponents. Hey, you have to respect this. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from an offensive play calling standpoint, because, you know, their choices are either really stick with what worked against Wisconsin, which was the chunk plays, the deep threats, or, hey, let's get this other this other aspect working. Let's work this in. Uh, the kind of the, the ground game, the between the tackles game. So I'm interested to see where Mike Yersich goes there because is he is he the guy that's going to lean on what's working or is he the guy that's going to get what's not working working, if that makes sense. Uh, that's that, kind yeah. of going to be a interesting question. That's a really good point. Uh, that's that's a, that's a fair point. And, and if they do establish that run, that might be where the, on those play-action plays you can get the tight ends of the ball and you can start to develop that playing one off the other. So from what it sounds like, you think it's going to be a little bit more of a run-heavy approach. Is that what you're expecting? Are you think Do you think that Penn State's going to lean on their backs and we're going to have a big dose of Kevon Lee and Noah Kane? I do. I, I think they showed you in the first half against Wisconsin that that's what they want to do. That seems to be plan A, uh, for, for lack of a better term. Because, look, Sean Clifford played well against – he didn't play well. He didn't turn the ball over against Wisconsin, we'll say right. that. Um, he has yet to prove over a long period of time that you can trust him to do that. And how do you lose games against Ball State? You give them the football. Uh, so I, I think maybe running between the tackles, establishing that, getting that going is maybe a little bit of a safer choice. And if that doesn't work, maybe you look to – to, to throw down the field, to, to make some of those bigger plays. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not a hundred percent sure which way they'll lean or if they'll mix both, which is also extremely possible, but I, I would yeah. expect to see them try to establish the run game for sure. We'll hear from James Franklin today, depending on when you're listening to the BWI daily edition, maybe he's already out. So you can check always his press conferences here on our YouTube page, BWI on YouTube, just search blue, white illustrated. And of course the BWI daily edition available as a podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you haven't heard yet, we're officially on Apple podcasts. That's been a couple weeks now and it's been super awesome. So if you were waiting for that, uh, and you're watching on YouTube and you want to download that, we're now on Apple Podcasts. So wherever you get your podcasts, I can say that and not, you know, kind of be crossing my fingers and, and telling you, well, almost everywhere. Uh, but that Dave Eckert here with me on the BWI Daily Edition. Any last thoughts before we wrap up today? Not really. I'm, I'm excited to be back in Beaver Stadium. It's been a while for me. I covered uh, I covered all the games last season from home. So I'm I'm really I'm really pumped for this weekend. Uh, it should be fun. Um, it, it's it's interesting from our perspective, right? 
you, you know, I don't dive into the, the tactics of football as much as you do, but still for me, it's very difficult to know who's playing well when I'm watching on TV <laughs> beyond yeah. just the stats. So I, I'm really excited to be able to get that bird's eye view again. Um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun weekend. I'm excited for state college to be buzzing a little bit. It's going to be great. Well, Dave, we'll be following along on Twitter as well at David Eckert 98. If you want to follow his work, uh, live during the game, uh, always a great follow also during press conferences, everywhere else where there's news, Dave is on top of it. I'm Thomas Frank Carr, your host of the BWI daily edition. Once again, hit follow and make sure that you are up to date on all the news for Penn State football and basketball. When we get there. BWI Daily Edition will be back again tomorrow.